Turn there in your Bibles, there in your notes. And I love the title of the message tonight, Joshua's Prevailing Prayer. And uh, you may read through the chapter and go, well, I'm not seeing the prayer in here. And as we go through it, though, you're going to see it. And I'll, I'll do a little spoiler alert. You know, we, we talk about so often Moses when the Israelites were in battle against, I believe it was the Amalekites, these enemies of God. And we read about, you know, as long as he had his staff up, they would prevail. And we know that's a picture of prayer. And, and Aaron and her had to come along to his side and help prop his arms up until the victory was won. Well, Joshua does the exact same thing in this chapter. He holds his spear up. And as long as he holds his spear up, they have victory over AI. The only difference is he stood up there alone with it, with it up and, and the whole, during the whole battle. And they didn't go into battle until it went up. And he didn't take it down until the battle had been completely won. And I think there's two pictures there, and, and again, I'm, 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 I don't want to get way ahead here, but it's just, I'm just so stoked about it. It's that picture of coming and praying for one another and praying together, but it's also that picture here of getting in your prayer closet and just saying, I, I got to get my spear up. I got to hold it up, and I got to get conditioned. I got to get, get conditioned where I can raise it up and keep it held up until the battle is won and the battle you know what, has, has taken its course and victory has prevailed. And so it's just really, just a real cool picture that I, I rarely, I, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on that or anyone talk about that or highlight that or bring it out, but it's right here in this chapter. And so it's, it's the second half of the chapter and uh, we're, we're going to be blessed by that. But notice how it starts here in verse one and, and we'll recap the last chapter after, as we go into this uh, first verse, it says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise, go up to Ai, and see I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Now, the Lord is reiterating these words of encouragement and this charge to Joshua that had been given when they were still east of the Jordan, getting ready to go into the promised land. And I want to backtrack and tie this in to why he's reiterating it to Joshua again. Back there in Joshua 1.6, and again, we know that first generation had passed away that had been in the wilderness. They didn't have faith to go into the promised land. And now it's that second generation, 40 years later, they're getting ready to go in. And spies have even you know what, uh, at this point, gone in and, and you know what, uh, uh, God's been giving confirmation and confirmation and, and the Lord's readying, readying them to go. And there in Joshua 1, he says, be strong and of good courage. Now, this is before the spies went in. I'm saying they'd gone at this point that we're here tonight and they'd already taken Jericho. He says, be strong and of good, of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all uh, the law, uh, uh, to do, excuse me, to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. And then that's reiterated again. Observe the law, observe the word. Be strong and courageous. In other words, go in without any fear. Go in trusting me. Go in, go in with the fear of the Lord doing the word, and you're going to get victory at every single turn. And now we, here we are eight chapters later, and God's reiterating this to him. Again, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. And why is he reiterating that again? Because of what happened in the previous chapter. Again, we know that when they went into Jericho, the Lord said, all the first fruits belong to me. The gold and the silver, everything basically that will survive the fire goes to the Lord, goes to the ministry of the Lord. And he said, outside of that, do not touch anything, do not take anything out. Those are accursed things. So the things that come out that survive the fire go to the Lord. And if you take it, you're taking a curse onto yourself. And all the other things that are to be burnt are to be burnt. Do not take that on. Stay away from the accursed things. But we know what happened. 
There was a man named Achan, which means the troubler of Israel, who remember when they went in there to Jericho, and you know, they've, they've seen another miracle in the walls of Jericho falling inward, all the walls except one where Rahab's house is, and there's been a, an evangelistic campaign going on while they're marching around the city as her house is full of friends and family and so forth that heeded the gospel and said, look it, we don't want to go down. We want to stand on the rock. Again, that's a miracle that kind of gets lost in all of this too. Her house was on the wall. And so they've seen all that happen and Achan saw all that happen. And yet when they went in to get the victory, which they did over Jericho, we know that he saw gold, he saw a change of garments, and he took them, and instead of trusting in the Lord, in the midst of everything God was doing, he went and he hid them in his tent. And then we know they went in there to Ai, the next city, and they went and spied it out, and they said, this city's nothing next to Jericho, just send a handful of men in and we'll get victory. And they went in, and 36 men in Israel, they lost their lives. And they lost their lives because one man, Achan, was the troubler of Israel. He not only had brought a curse upon himself, he had brought a curse upon all of Israel. And when we looked at that, we saw some of those verses like a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And those verses where a sinner can, you know, one sinner can bring in very much trouble. And in this case, that's what happened with Achan because the command had been given to all of them. And even specifically, don't do that or a curse will be brought upon Israel. And so it was even weightier, the charge that was given. But Achan, when he saw that gold, when he saw that treasure, he lusted after it. And then he acted on that lust and he took it. And he did it again without a fear of God without a fear of the commandments of God, he took that cursed thing upon himself and he thought he'd be better off. And he also had no regard, again, of the fear of the Lord or reverence towards God because in doing that, God said a curse is gonna come upon all Israel. And so there was a double type of a lack of fear of God there, not only for his own soul, but for his own nation, for his own family and so forth. He was blinded again by this sin and so again they went into ai then and 36 men lost their life because one man took this gold and buried it in his tent we don't want to we don't want to take that lightly we don't want to look at that and go well that was way back then things don't unfold like that now you need to know all this is written for our learning all of this is written for us to glean from and make application to our life and oftentimes in the Old Testament, you see big stories and big accounts that apply to our little lives. And I just encourage you to know and to take heed and take to heart that when we take sin into our life and we bury it deep down and we don't deal with it and we don't bring it to the Lord, it will not only affect you, it will affect others as well. It always does. It will affect your home. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your singleness. It will affect your children. It will affect your witness, so on and so forth. Leaven always multiplies, and sin in the scripture is almost always, you know, when you read leaven, it's an illustration of sin. You take leaven and you 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 put it in that bread, and then what's it do? It grows, and then that bread begins to rise. You hide it in the dark and it multiplies. It, it, it does that. You can't keep it from not doing that. It is the natural response. You put leaven in dough, it's going to multiply and that thing's going to rise. And the exact same thing is true with sin. When we take it and we hide it down and we're not bringing it into the light, it's going to multiply and it will affect others. And in this case, it affect that nation and it costs 36 men their life. Again, this is, the, 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 these are some of the ways we get the fear of God in our life. Where you know, I've been using that, some of these illustrations like with, with fire. What's the fear of fire? I know if I put my hand in it, it's going to burn me. So I, I have a reverence for it. I keep my hand out of it while at the same time I'm thankful that I can cook my food with it and it warms my house. How much more with the living God? When he's told us to refrain from, you know, if it, Scripture says, if anyone names the name of Christ, let him depart from iniquity. 
Why? Because iniquity is going to hurt me. It's going to hurt others. It's going to take away from my witness and my walk with the Lord. And it's also just going to keep me from a, a place of really abounding and abundant life that God wants to give. And in this, God's not the heavy in the sense of, you know what, an abuser. God is just and God is holy. And he's saying, if you take these things on versus even struggling with something and bringing it into the light. Can you imagine if, if H and when that happened, you know what, he would have said, guys, I'm so tempted by this right now. Pray for me. Or even after he had taken it in before they went into AI, if he would have confessed Hey, look, and I took this and, I, and I, I buried it in my tent. And we saw that Joshua had to, you know what, through the Lord's process of identifying and discerning where the sin was. Remember, they had to, we went before the Lord and the Lord said, it's the tribe of Judah. And then it's this part of the tribe of Judah. And then it's this household. And then finally, it's ancient. And all of it, the guy never confessed. He never said, it is I. You think when they said, hey, it's someone from the tribe of Judah. He would say, it's, it's me. It's me. I'm the one. Let me bring it into the light. Let me get it out of my tent. Maybe this would read differently. Maybe the account would be, would be different. Again, he lost the fear of God, and they had gotten routed. And remember, after they got routed, Joshua's on his face, and he's weeping, and which was good. He's crying out to God. He's weeping. But then it wasn't good because he listened to the false theologians of that day. And he went with the grumbling that he had heard for 40 years. You just brought us here to die. <laughs> Remember when they get in the woods? Oh, you just brought us out here to die. There's not enough graves in Egypt. There's plenty of graves in Egypt. That's a false doctrine that you're heeding to to try to blame God. And Joshua even fell into that. And then God said, get up off your face and go deal with the sin. And so we saw them deal with the sin there in Joshua 7. It just, you know, it kind of spoke of it where, you know, it cleaned the camp. And it was finally revealed that Achan was the one that had buried the gold. And remember, Joshua said, listen, I plead with you, confess your sin. And he did. But at this point, this had been a civil crime and there were consequences. And it cost him his life and his family life, who obviously helped him hide these things I, I hope i see the guy in glory i hope that he really did repent but they had to go in and practically clean out the camp and listen this is glorious because now that the sin had been dealt with the fear of the lord had returned to the camp and the lord reiterates now you don't need to be afraid because you're fearing me now you don't need to be dismayed. Dismayed is a stress about what might happen next. There's a lot of distressed people in the world. They're always worried, what might happen next? What's going to happen with that stock market? You know, what, what, what's going what's gonna to happen with my job? What's going to, you know, this, that, or the other. I don't have a list of things. There's a whole bunch of them. People run around dismayed. Look, when you walk in the fear of the Lord, we don't need to be afraid nor dismayed. We're in God's hands. And I'm not saying along the way, walking in the fear of the Lord, there aren't struggles and temptations. That's part of being a Christian is working through things. But when we take, again, sin and we bury it, we're not wanting to bring it in the light. We are not walking in the fear of God. And so there should be a fear and we should be dismayed of what may happen. Because one thing that we are promised, that if we are true children of God, there's going to be a woodshed involved. There absolutely is. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, there were certain things while I was doing them, I'm like, if I get caught, I'm, I'm going to get lit up. You know, sometimes you just do dumb stuff and it would happen. And other times you knew and you're like, well, I hope I don't get caught. I, I always got caught. I always got caught. That was God being good to me. Let me get caught. The Lord always, and, and unless you're illegitimate, he is going to correct his kids. And he does it out of love for us. He does it because he cares for us. But praise God, look at when we confess our sin, 
1 John 1, 9, we know it. Look, at this is a verse everyone should have memorized. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And isn't this beautiful? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. And they had confessed the sin. And they had dealt with the sin. I love Proverbs 24, 16. A righteous man may fall seven times and rises again. And so notice what he says, don't be afraid nor dismayed. He's reiterating, you've dealt with the sin. Don't be fearful. Take all the people that were with you and notice, arise. You got knocked down. You got disciplined. You got woodshedded. You've dealt with it now. Now it's time to arise and get back into the battle. And when we do move with a walk, a lack of fear of God and God chastens us, That's not a call to go and get bitter and get upset and I'm angry and I got a right to be angry. There's just so much of that today. Stop if that's you. Any correction you have gotten has been a gift from God Almighty. Let's repent of it and then say, my life is short. It's time to get back to the business of God because I have only so many breaths that are allotted to me. And that's what goes on here. Get up and go now. Go take that which, you know, what I, I have laid out before you. And for us, it's, it's not cities and things like this. But how about get up and start walking in the fruits of the Holy Spirit available to you. And fellowship with God Almighty. And fellowship with like-minded believers who love Jesus. And go walk in, in the work of an evangelist with the good news in a, in a world full of bad news and darkness to be salt and light and a witness to so many around us. How about a rise and get in your prayer closet? No, you're not spinning your wheels, but much is being availed in there. So verse 2, he says, And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. And what did they do? They went in and they took care of business. But notice something changes here. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay ambush for the city behind it. So now that they had cleaned the camp, they could go forward in the power of the Lord. You're going to do like what you did to Jericho. Look at God does not empower with his Holy Spirit rebellion. God does not empower with this Holy Spirit when we are making provisions for sin, especially when we're twisting the doctrine of grace to do so. But when we say, Lord, I'm ready to lay this down and bring it in the light, He will empower us with this Holy Spirit to go forward. And, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with sin. And this is what's going on there. And then He says, Look at you gave of your first fruits to, you know, it from that, that, the, the, the gold, the silver, the things that survived the fire. You gave of your first fruits to the Lord. Now on this next time, you're going to take all of the booty or all the reward for yourselves. I'm amazed at God's generos- generosity with us. I'm, I'm amazed with how much God gives to us, how much God provides for us. And again, ultimately it all belongs to Him and we're stewards of it. But w- w- what a blessing to steward that which is the Lord's. And, you know, even in that, even everything that's going to burn, eventually we're going to inherit the whole earth. (laughs) There's an interesting balance in all these things. You can worship stuff, but at the same time, God gives stuff to give Him praise and use it for the glory of God. And He says, look at, again, in Jericho, you gave of your first fruits, but here's the thing. When you go into Ai, all the booty's for you. All the reward's for you. I want to take it and I want to bless you so you can bless your families, so you can put food on your table, so you can get in here and start to get established with economy, so you have something in your hand to give to your neighbor in need. There was only one guy that wouldn't have partaken of this, that didn't, well, and and those, unfortunately, who, who died because of his sin, but the guy who was dead because he didn't give of his first fruits would not partake of this. I can't tell you, I mean, there are, so, there are so many passages in Scripture that talk about giving to God of our first. And I know we're living in a day and age where that, that doctrine is perverted and it's used, it's twisted to, to, to fleece the body of Christ. And there's so many of these churches 
that are they're like a pyramid scheme where the guy on top has all this wealth flying around in these jets and Rolls Royces and all this stuff. And it's funny because the world looks at it and laughs, but then there's a lot of dumb Christians that buy into it. And they buy into it because it's, it's, it's witchcraft. Because they say, look, if you can put faith in your words, you can have all this too. Which is, that's witchcraft. You imagine what you want and put faith in it. That is the basis of witchcraft. Versus, I'll all heed God's word. And so, it, it, you know, it's, just, it's like this power of positive thinking. You'll manifest. That's, that's a big thing right now. I'm going to, I don't know if you guys, someone told me the other day, this is huge right now, social media, people manifesting. And it makes sense because this is a post-Christian nation that's embracing the occult witchcraft all over the place. Not saying there's not a remnant of real believers here. There is, but it's a post-Christian nation. I'm not, I'm, that's nothing, you know, I'm not breaking news here. Like, what are you talking about? Pull your head out of the sand and look around. But listen, with that said, the way the devil oftentimes works, he'll take something where there's truth in it and pervert it to, to, to bring many people under that perversion and at the same time to get all these other people to go this way and if this is the truth, now they want to abandon the truth. And he gets a double victory in that. And I just can't tell you enough that when you give of your first to the Lord, you cannot outgive God. And I don't say this tonight, and I'm going to read some verses. I don't say this or preach this tonight in any way, shape, or form to say, we got to stir up the giving around here. This is a generous church. God, I am amazed at, at, at the provisions that God makes for this church. But I would say this in that if you're not walking in these things, I cannot plead with you enough to begin. As Paul said to those in Philippi, he says, I plead with you in these things that it may be credited to your account. In fact, that church in Philippi, it's there in the notes, Philippians 4, it speaks of it. He, he, he says, you know, on his missionary trip to uh, one of his missionary trips in Macedonia, he said, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. And he says, again, paraphrasing, I, I say this, you know, I'm speaking of this because that, that your account would be credited. And it's interesting, we all have an account. We all have an account with the Lord. And then he says to him in Philippians 4.19, and he's saying this in context to them giving to the ministry of Paul, he says, and may God supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And that's predicated on the fact that they were giving of their first. That, that's not a general statement for everyone. That's not a general statement for a selfish Christian who does not want to give unto the Lord because you know what happens when you're in that place? That's a lack of fear of God and God brings a correction. Amen. Throughout the scripture, it speaks of this. And again, Look, at, I, I, I share this tonight because I just know, and I, I, wanna, I always try to be careful in talking about my life because I, 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 the Bible says don't let your right, your right hand know the left hand or the left hand know what the right, the hand shouldn't know what the other hand's doing. But I thought about Paul, how oftentimes he'll speak of, hey, I did this and I did that. And he's saying it not in a boastful way, but he's saying it in a manner to teach. And listen, what, what I want to encourage you with tonight, and, and I've seen it firsthand in my life for 30 years, when you put the Lord first, you got nothing to worry about. When you say, uh, through thick and thin, and oftentimes there's more thin than thick, you can, you can never outgive God Almighty. One of, the, one of the most, of all the ministry I'm involved with, and there's a lot, <laughs> One of the most joyous things I, it, 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 one of the most joyful things that I take joy in is giving of, of, of my first. And, and week in, week out, we, it, is, it is just a rule on we give of our first to the Lord. It doesn't matter. And I've, we've tallied up numbers before. It's like, we could own two houses right now. We give of our first to God and God has always been faithful. And I'll tell you, this fellowship, I know for a fact, part of the reasons why it's built out and paid off and stuff's going on 
it's because giving of the Lord, giving to the Lord of the first. Because I know a lot of pastors that don't do that. They do not. They feel like they don't have to. Like you're believe, do you, do you not believe the Bible you teach? Do you not believe what's being said here? Well, I don't make enough money. Some will say, look, I was a pastor here. I was here for 10 years before we had insurance. But we still gave of our first. And again, I want to be careful with this. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not saying this in any way, shape, or form of boasting or anything. I do not want to go there. But I want to tell you and plead with you. Again, all those that gave of their first in Jericho, they're going to AI now. And they're like, all, the, all, all of the spoils are for us. Now, that wasn't for them to be selfish with. It was for them to use it for the glory of God. But these principles are scriptural and do not let TBN rob you of that. Don't let liars rob you of that. Because there is this mindset again in Christendom today of these guys that say, there's no call to give of your first in the New Testament. I say, hogwash. I will debate you any day of the week and I will trample you on the ground on the scriptures. That's the doctrine of Achan. Don't give of your first to God. Take it and bury it in your own tent. Number one, all that you have is given to you from God and it belongs to God. And you're going to say, I'm not going to give of my, my first to God? I get where it comes from, from Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and Joyce Myers and these liars. I get it. They're repulsive. They're sickening. They, they fleece the body of Christ and will give an account before God Almighty unlike any others. It's a false gospel they peddle. And one to steal for a, in the name of God? Oh my goodness. I get it. I grew up in it. I grew up in that. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. That's why I'll start naming names. I don't care. I don't care if you're offended by that. Me warning you of a filthy thief that wants to rob you and people get offended by that? Get in, have an issue with the lying thief is, is where your issue should be with. And if it's with me, I don't care if I say that and not offend you. I really don't care. You, you need to hear truth. Not that I think anyone's adhering to that nonsense in our fellowship. Maybe someone is. I don't know. Maybe that was a prophetic word for you. But you read in the Old Testament, again, in Matthew 3, 8, will, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But I say to you, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, first fruits. And notice he says, you are cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me. Achan robbed God. He was cursed with a curse. You've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now on this. Hear this. He says, try me. You can test me in this. Test me, test me out. I'm God. You can. And he's saying, you can even try me in this. Sometimes people need it. This is the one area where God says, try me. You know, the Bible says, don't test the Lord. He says, you can test me in this area. You can do a trial run. I'm going to do a trial run. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there'll be no room enough to receive it. And the people, oh, that's Old Testament doctrine. Oh, wait, wait a minute. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and I get, you know what? I can wear mixed linens now. I, I get that. But when it comes to these things, this truth translates in the Old and the New Testament. Because that's why I always point out, and I, I don't know where these people that say, you know what, you're, you, you, again, we got freedom in the Lord. You can do what you want. But why would you want to miss out on a blessing and confidence from God when it's available and as well as opportunity to worship the Lord? I, I don't understand that. Now, this is simple stuff. It's like, if you read this and believe this, and you believe God and he's not a liar, it, it, it's foolish not to respond. Especially if he says, look, try me in this. Do a trial run and see what happens. I've seen so many people try God in this area, and they said, I, I've started giving my first, and then every single time they'll come a month later and go, oh my God, goodness, you, you, you won't believe what's been happening. Every time, every time, every time. And I don't go around, I don't know who gives what in this church. And, and I don't need to know and I don't want to know. But sometimes people come and tell me. 
And then every time, every time they're like, hey, this is about my heart. I'm going to start doing this. And I'll encourage them. Every time they come back and they'll go, I'm blown away with how God's provided. I'm blown away with how he stretched this so much farther than this when I was following the theology of Achan. But Jesus says in Matthew 6, 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need these things. And then what Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's speaking about material things there. And they, oh, but you know, that's not in the New Testament. Excuse me, do you rip Matthew 6 out of your Bible? Because if you're saying, I seek first the kingdom of God, but not in the area of finances, you are fooling yourself. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21, it's in the same chapter. And then we read verses like 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, and this is the New Testament, just so you know. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Again, the, the, the context here is giving of financially of your first fruits. Do we believe God tonight? He says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. That sounds a lot like Proverbs where he says, give of your first fruits and your barns will be full. Your vats will overflow. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. And we, we have a freedom in the Lord for sure. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I, you know what? I'll say it a million times over. Do not give to this work if you give grudgingly or think there's a necessity. Because there isn't. God provides all the needs around here. Over and above. Over and above. But, look at I stand here with what Paul is saying to those in, 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 in Philippi. I want to see this credited to your account. And just as I'll call out a word of faith, dude, and, and I don't care if the, you know, what I don't, I do not care about the consequences of that. At the same time, I'm also going to stand and say, don't let the devil rob you in this area. Don't let that lie corrupt the truth of scripture. And we're just living in a culture that that's what's happened. And, the devil's a master in this. He's a master in doing that, especially in modern Christianism, even with things like gifts of the Spirit, where there's such an abuse of it, and it just becomes this gross flesh fest, and it's not the Spirit of God at all. And these other people say, none of that's for today. Well, do you have a Bible? Because again, I will take you to task if you don't think those gifts are for today. They are a hundred, you have to script. You know, we're the Bible guys. Those aren't for today. Then you don't know how to, you can't understand the Bible then. You do not know how to rightly divide it if you think the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. Then why do we, why are they talked about and we're instructed how to use them then? This is like, this is simple math. Anyway, all that to say, God says, try me in this area. And if you're here tonight, you're like, ah, I know, I just don't, ah, you know, oh yeah. Well, the Lord says, I'll leave you with this. The Lord says, try me in this area. Try the Lord in that area. I dare you to do it. In fact, I'll double dog dare you. <laughs> and none of this is out of, you know what? We're, you know what? If you don't start giving, we're going to have to close shop around here. It's none of that. There's no necessity. God provides. There is no necessity. The Lord always provides. It's so awesome to see. Verse 3. We'll pick up the pace a bit. So Joshua rose and all the people of war, uh, and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose thirty thousand mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, "Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Uh, do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about when they come out against us at the first. Then we shall flee before them." For these shall come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. And they will say, they're fleeing uh, before us as the first. 
Therefore we will flee before them. Then you shall arise from the ambush and seize the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. So again, Joshua rises up. He's back at the battle. Again, we are to be a people engaged in the spiritual warfare laid out before us in the scripture. They're given a specific battle plan. We have one too. It's called the New Testament. It's called the Bible. And so rise up, step out in faith, and watch the Lord bring a victory. I love Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. So we get up and go. We walk by faith, and God brings the victory. Again, a battle plan set. They're walking in faith, and they have no reason to be fearful or be dismayed because they're fearing God. Verse 9, Joshua therefore sent them out. And they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. Verse 10, Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up he and the elders of Israel before the people to Ai. And all the people of war who were with them went up and drew near and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lie between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north of the city, its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua that night went into the midst of the valley. I don't know about, for, when, when I, you know, he's just laying out the plan. Again, it's a wise plan. They're gonna, we're going to draw them out and then we're, we're, it's logical. It's clear. I mean, by God's words like that. But when I was reading this, for some reason, that just stood out to me. It's in the middle of the night. Again, they've, they've had a defeat. Now they're trusting in the Lord. And, you know, I'd have to think that Joshua's putting those fears down through standing in the word. And it says he went, it, he went that night into the midst of the valley. And I just came to my, my mind as the valley of the shadow of death. You know, we go out in the midst of the valley, so to speak, to do warfare. And God's called us to be engaged in the battle. But I love it because it says there in Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalm 23, 4, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And just know that in the midst of warfare and difficulties and ups and downs, you know what, there's times, you know, you just feel like you're going into the valley in the night. But the, but the Lord goes with us, and we don't need to be fearful. Verse 14, now it happened when the king of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried and rose early and went against Israel to battle, he and all his people, at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of wilderness so all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel, so they left the city open and pursued Israel. It's interesting in verse 14, Israel's doing their plans, and the king of Ai is watching it all. And he's an enemy of God here. You could say he's even a type of Satan here. And one thing we do need to know is that we, as followers of Christ, in a way are in fishbowls, and we're supposed to be living epistles known and read by all men. And here's the other thing, our enemy watches our every move. He's always watching. He's always looking. He doesn't take days off. And here's the thing, we better not take them off either. We need to know that we are in a battle, and we only get so many days, and you know, by the grace of God, we'll make our aim to use them, make the most of them for Jesus. Because when we do take days off, again, the enemy's at work. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 24, he put forth another parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And then later in that chapter, he gives the interpretation. In Matthew 13, 37, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Praise God, that's Jesus. 
The field is the world. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom. But the terrors are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. And when we sleep, the enemy wants to come in and bring in tares. He wants to come and bring in things to try to disrupt our walk with the Lord. And you know what? A, 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 he'll try to disrupt even a, a church that's trying to make it its aim to, to worship God and teach the, the, the word of God. And so it's just imperative. Look, at he did that while the man slept. You think of those ten virgins there, that parable of the end days. Even the five with the oil in their lamp fell asleep. We can't fall asleep. We need to be awake. We need to be sober-minded. We need to know it's a spiritual warfare and not be overwhelmed by that. It's a warfare whether you're asleep or awake. Run into people before, ah, you know what, I just, I know the Lord, but I just can't, you know what, I, I, I want to like take it easy with my Christianity because I can't deal with this warfare. You're on the, you're on the warfare no matter what. So you want to go be a prisoner in the, in the prisoner camp? It sounds to me a lot more appealing to be engaged in the battle. Especially when you realize, in a sense, I'm on, I'm on the winning side. And, you know, and there, there's, there's really even an excitement in that. It's awesome when, when you're, you're committed to prayer and even being in prayer groups and going and you pray. And you, we're going to pray together. And at the end of the prayer, you know, you know something's, something's been accomplished right now. Things are being availed. And then you see some people come to the Lord and, and you know, see God open a door and you see provisions from God and you see all that. That's exciting. It's exciting to serve the Lord. And, you know, there's times too when it's just like, you know what, you put your head down and you go to work, but you get up and you need to see those little harvests. Just like that farmer, you know, goes to work, but that, that farmer gets to see the harvest. It's a glorious thing. Verse 18. Then, then the Lord said to Joshua, and this is what I alluded to when we started, stretch out the spear that is in your hand towards Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched, stretched out the spear that was in his hand towards the city. This wasn't forward to him. Again, he understood. It's there in your notes. I'm not going to read it. In Exodus 16, when they went against the Amalekites, again, as long as Moses had that staff up, they, they had victory. Why? His hands were extended to the Lord. It wasn't a magical staff. He's, he's inter here's the battle. It, it's God teaching us. You want victory? You need to cry out to me. Prayer has to be involved. So again, Joshua stretched out the spear that was hand towards the city. And those in the ambush arose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as, hear this, they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand. I think they're at this point, after all the nonsense with H and stuff, they're like, dude, I ain't moving until the hands go up and we get some prayer going. I have been convinced that God's in charge of all of this. I saw walls fall down. I saw dude bury gold and what came out of that. Until the hands go up, I'm not moving forward. Hands go up, okay, we're ready to go now. Boy, what a lesson to pray first, amen? To say, look, at, look we want to go... But we don't want to go till, till, till we pray. We're, we're going we're gonna to do a play that's an evangelistic outreach. We'll do three things, but let's pray first. <laughs> we're going to do some Christmas Eve services and do all that. We better pray first. We get into the New Year, Resurrection Sunday. We better pray first before we just roll up into that park and think everything's going to go smoothly. Here comes Vacation Bible School around. We better pray first so on and so forth getting up going to work you know what living my life coming up better pray first and they entered the city and took it and hurried to set the city on fire because again the men of ai have gone out and they're like well let's go in and burn their city down and when the men of ai looked behind them they saw and behold the smoke of the city ascended to heaven and look at this look at this right here it's underlined in your notes so they had no power I hear, oh, that old devil, oh, you know, some, it just drives me crazy, some people, how you doing, oh, that old devil, that old, old, just certain people, look at, I name anyone here every time, oh, that enemy, and I'm thinking, why is the enemy so involved with you, I don't see you doing anything, 
It's just some honesty up here tonight. There's certain people, oh, that old enemy, like, what? Are you sure? Because, bro, I don't, maybe, they're, maybe you're like Batman. You go out at night and evangelize. I don't know. But the enemy, again, and it is a warfare, but they give the enemy all this power, like, oh, it's, oh that old enemy. And boy, what's God going to do? He can't even keep that enemy down. Dude, they prayed and the enemy had no power. They had no power to flee this way or that way. They are, they are stuck in a trap. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on their pursuers. They baited them out and they were now coming upon them. Again, as they prayed, the enemy was stripped of power. Are there strongholds in your life? Are there areas you just see and you just see the devil coming in and, and wreaking havoc? It's time to lift that spear up and get on your face and pray. It will strip him of power. You got people who you love that don't know the Lord. They're not walking with the Lord. You better make your number one effort to get on your face and intercede for them. It may be involved praying and fasting. You think of the Mount Transfiguration. Jesus is up there with Peter, James, and John down here. The disciples can't cast a demon out of a kid. The Lord talks about their lack of faith. And he says, however, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and fasting, Matthew 17, 29. In other words, when you pray and fast, the word fast there is actually not in the Greek. It means fervent prayer, which fervent prayer is going to involve some fasting. I can't do this. I can't do that because I need to make more time to pray. He says, that's how they go out. That's how the enemy stripped with power. You got to pray. You got to pray. Verse 21. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then others came out of the city against them and they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down. And they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it just, this just kind of reminded me of... of of Babylon when it burns you know we were in Revelation just again this is this is a city in rebellion against God just like this Babylonian system and and that only flourishes so long before God gets involved and it's all going to burn down to be an ash heap 24 and it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field in the wilderness where they pursued them and when they had all fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. And so it was all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. It's a big city. Big nation for that time. For Joshua did not draw back, and notice this is huge, Joshua did not draw back his sword, the sword, uh, excuse me, did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out his spear, notice, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. They didn't get down to 10,000. He said, oh, I'm tired now. Oh, man, you know what? I'm bringing my hands down now. They didn't get to 11,500 and said, look at all the, it's all been tallied, my hands. He kept it up until the victory was fully won. Till the battle was done. Let me tell you, your battle will not be done until the day you take your last breath and go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be a seasonal prayer warrior. Elections are coming up. We better start praying. Bro, you better be praying way before elections. The Twin Towers went down. We all need to pray. Then a year later, where where'd they all go? COVID, we need to pray. Oh, they're taking our rights away. Oh, we need to pray. Yeah, you needed to, and you need to do even more so now. I laughed during all that because there's just certain people like, oh man, yeah, you know, oh, you know, God bless America, and all, you know, and it's like, yeah, I pray that God bless America. But why are you so Christian all of a sudden? It's because you want your freedom to preach the gospel or you want your freedom to go get your bag. 
We're all patriotic now. And again, I thank God for our nation. I pray for our nation. But why are you all so Christian now? Because you're being threatened to go and pursue all of these things that, again, God's blessed us to pursue. But where's the Lord in it? It's because, man, we need freedom to go preach Jesus, to get in the school, to go out and, you know, take sunken gardens to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and do all this stuff without having to be arrested. And look at even if we are, we still, we still go forward. So we, we need to pray, though. We need to pray. Why are you praying, though? Is this kingdom prayer or is this your own kingdom prayer? And look at, I've already got dug a hole so deep for myself tonight. I just saw a whole lot of, oh, we're Christian. Oh, you know, like, you know, now we're gravitating to church. And it's like, this to me looks like more about politics and your freedoms to pursue your treasures than anything to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even certain pastors rising to fame. And it's like, bro, you're Joe Politic. Yeah, you should say stuff about life and marriage and so forth. But when you're bringing Larry Elder, who's not even a Christian, up on your stage to take over your Sunday morning sermon, that's a problem. Well, he'll get saved. Dude didn't win, and dude's still not saved. So what's up with that? I'm just like... And again, I thank God for freedoms. I vote. In fact, I think if 13 more people would have voted, our county might look a little different right now. And I was irritated by so many pastors who would not even mention anything of it, even in our own community here. Let's finish the chapter here. I'm... Whatever. Verse 27. Whatever. <laughs> uh, only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And look at all of those that went into Jericho and said, it all belongs to God. Now they're in AI and they're being blessed, except a guy named Achan, who said, I'll take it first for myself. He's dead and so is his family. These are lessons and principles being taught to us. Now, I know this is always where someone's tempted to go, but what about all those poor people in AI? This is horrible. This is genocide. We've gone over this multiple times. These people wanted nothing to do with the living God. They sacrificed their children to demons. They celebrated homosexuality. They, 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 they had a witness after witness. There was only one woman who was a prostitute that said, I want out of this lifestyle. I want to get saved. She, she called out to God. She preached the gospel while they were marching around that city. Her house was filled. The rest of them had want nothing to do with God, even though pending doom was on them. They said, we don't care, we'll ride it into hell. And you can only rebel against God so long and take his mercy for granted so long before the wrath gets stacked and you give an account to the living God. And in this case, Israel was God's instrument of judgment. Verse 29, and the king of Ai, he hung on a tree till evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take down his corpse a down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise it over a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Now it's interesting, and we'll close on this thought. Throughout scriptures, there's several accounts in the Old Testament of men hanging on a tree. Here's Ai, the king of Ai, hung on a tree. Well, look at this is in the midst of a curse being lifted. <laughs> A curse being lifted off Israel and also Ai and his king being under a curse. I think about David when he was king later on, there was a famine in the land. And he's like, why is this? And he says, it's because there's a curse on the land. Because the way that Saul has treated the Gibeonites, who we'll read about actually in the book of Joshua pretty soon. This has to be dealt with. 
And so they asked the Gibeonites, what do you want us to do? And they sought the Lord, and they said, take seven of Saul's descendants and hang them. And now these were men guilty of doing crimes themselves. This wasn't like, this wasn't a deal where, where we have a big generation gap, and there's reparations to people that, that had nothing to do with any of this. That this is Saul's descendants who were part of oppressing those men. And so to lift that curse to bring in, to, to, to bring in, you know what, uh, uh, rain again, you got to remove the curse. It's got to be put on someone. It was put on those men they hung. You're getting a picture painted in your mind of who I'm talking about. These are, believe it or not, it's a picture of Jesus here. Because Jesus hung on a tree to take the curse off of you and me. He became a curse for us. Because all of us should be hung on this tree. This should be all of us. Hanging there and then our corpse taken down, our soul in hell with a pile of rocks on us. But Jesus came and took the curse for us. We'll just close with these few verses. Galatians, I'll read all, I want to read all of them. We'll close on this. Galatians 3, 10 through 14. For as many are of works of the law are under a curse. For as written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. So in other words, we're under the law. We can't keep the law. Even if we're like, oh, I'll be right with God through keeping the law. You can't do it. But that no one is justified by the law on the side of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So we're under a curse. The law shows us we're sinners. We've transgressed the law. We, we, we're under a curse. We can't lift that off ourselves. People, if anyone is at home online, they don't, they don't, they have no idea what we're all laughing at. Verse thirteen. That's a bonus that you get for showing up for church, showing up actually in person. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree," that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Thank you, Jesus. For becoming a curse for us and then blessing us. We're blessed people. And even saying, try me in this area. Watch, watch me bless you more. God, we praise you. We give you glory and honor. We just thank you for your person. I just thank you for your great goodness to us, God. I just thank you for being our Lord, our Savior, our God and King, Lord. I just pray you shine your face on your people here tonight. Lord, I thank you that we've had time to worship and fellowship and be in the word and, you know, have fellowship even after this. You're good to us, Lord. I just thank you for how generous you are to us and all the assurance you give give to us, God. And I just pray we'd abound in the fear of the Lord. Lord, that I hope tonight our faith has grown. I hope and pray our trust has grown in you, God. You said faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Liberate us, God, from lies. Build our, build our hope, our trust, our faith, our relationship with you, God. And if you're here tonight, you don't know the Lord, today's the day of salvation. We've talked about sin. We're under a curse, but Jesus Christ paid the penalty when he hung on Calvary's cross. On that cross made from a tree, he bore the wrath that was due each and every one of us, and he defeated the wages of our sin, which is death, when he rose from the grave. And it's true. Looking at this valley of decision, if you're not saved, you can get saved tonight. The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's not some cheap prayer. That's your saying, Jesus, forgive me, wash me. I'm ready to be a servant of the Lord. I'm ready for you to be my God all of my days. And let me tell you, he'll meet you where you're at. He absolutely will. There's no partiality with him. If you've got some silly thought in your mind, oh, I've done too much. That's a silly thought. Jesus paid the penalty of all your sin. And even to think that is even making light of his death. He did that because he loves you to free you. Call on him and get saved. And boy, if you're in the boat of thinking, well, I really don't need that. You're, you're the most foolish person in this room because you're a foul sinner. 
But Jesus wants to wash you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. Oh, we thank you for the good news, Lord. Bless the rest of our night, God, and we just thank you for who you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, and we sit together. Amen. Amen.